I'm your host, Paul Wicker, and this is the PPC Show, brought to you by AdStage. In this episode, we met Joe Martinez. He's the Senior Manager of Paid Media and Community at Granular in lovely Milwaukee, Wisconsin. We talked a lot about his illustrious radio career and his chance to meet Alice Cooper and a few other rock stars that he idolized as a child. And then we talked about some marketing stuff, namely all things YouTube, targeting strategies, some ways to get video content, pretty much anything you need to know to get YouTube up and running. We record the PPC show most Tuesdays at 10 a.m. out of our AdStage headquarters. You can pick up these podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud. And if you want to sign up for our weekly newsletter, head over to blog.adstage.io. Enjoy the episode. So we should probably talk a little bit about this YouTube thing, I guess. Fine. Um, So to kick us off, um, we're here with Joe Martinez who has, I believe your Twitter handle is uh, PPC Milwaukee. Is that correct? Milwaukee PPC. Oh, I had it backwards. But now you know I was I was doing it from memory. Milwaukee yeah. PPC, which is a great Twitter handle. Um, yes. And you are today um, at Granular, which is based aptly in Milwaukee, correct? Yes. And on Milwaukee Street. <laughs> wow. You're just like the triple Milwaukee. Yeah, exactly. Hometown, born and raised. And you might have heard Joe at HeroConf or SMX or Confluence, and you're an avid writer as well. So I see blog posts from you all over the place, including on the AdStage blog. So thanks for that. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. I I love writing. Um, and everyone said, well, shouldn't you do like content marketing stuff? I was like, no, I only like writing about stuff I know and interest me. So... Definitely PPC. I, I don't like writing about other people's products. That's that's what takes me a long time. But um, I don't know it's become a passion. I wanted to do it for a while. I don't know why I never really pulled the trigger right away. Um, but the more I did it, the more I wanted to do it, and still trying to make it a bigger part of my job role. Awesome. And you uh, you went to Marquette, and which is where? Is that in Ohio? Milwaukee. Oh. <laughs> Like that was the yeah. stupidest question I've ever asked. <laughs> there is a there's a Marquette, Michigan, so there's definitely uh, confusion that we're in the the UP of Michigan, but there's a city of Marquette, but no, it is in downtown Milwaukee. Sure, that's that's what confused me. We'll go with that one. Um, <laughs> LaSalle, not LaSalle. There's one school that was in the A10. I went to George Washington, and I think Marquette was in the A10, and we played you guys in basketball. Um, oh, okay. And somebody else was in the A10 that no one ever knew where they were. And I thought the answer was Ohio, but it might be uh, Marquette is actually in Milwaukee. Um, And I've noticed, so you have a degree in broadcasting and electronic communications. And I saw somewhere that there's a picture of you with Alice Cooper at a radio station. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I had an actual career in radio broadcasting and it wasn't just uh, I'm a promo kid in college, but that's what it did start off with. And when I say actual college or radio career, it wasn't the college internet radio indie station. You know, it was, um, that's, I did that too. But when I was 19 and 20, I was actually doing on air at, at the time, Hard Rock Station in the city, which 
no longer exists. They s- switch formats, but I was doing seven to midnight shifts uh, every Saturday and Sunday, and then filling in for the weekday guy at seven to midnight too. So that was always fun when you had to fill in on a weekday and then go home at midnight and then start your homework in college. Um, but yeah, I got to meet a ton of rock stars. There's a local music fest in town called Summerfest in Milwaukee. They are actually the largest annual music festival. It's 11 days of a ton of stages. Um, so I got to introduce a lot of like bands on stage. And uh, the Alice Cooper one, I wasn't the DJ at the time. I just got to be there and take phone calls and hang out with them for a whole morning. Um, and it was an amazing experience. He is actually one of the smartest guys I've ever met in my life. Wow. That is not what you would think. No, no, and he's an avid runner, golfer, so for a guy who, you know, puts on the face paint and snakes and wears leather and sings rock and roll songs, uh, you know, it's funny how the real personality can be totally different from the stage. And, I mean, you got any good celebrity stories? Was there anybody that was like a total asshole that you thought was going to be cool? <sighs> Actually, no. Um, honestly, not not that I can think of. I... There's been a fun story. We did a, like a celebrity softball game at Miller Park where the Milwaukee Brewers play, um, and Tara Reid was there, and she she was extremely hungover for partying with all the other celebrities the night before. Um, so when you're showing up to a celebrity charity softball game like that, that was that was just an odd moment. Uh, but she wasn't a jerk. She was really nice. Um, <laughs> other than that, no, I haven't really met into any jerk rock stars, which is pretty cool. That is cool. And I'm, I'm like trying to be like the got you host right now. Like, you know, I want to get some good dirt on some celebrity from yeah, yeah, years ago. No, no, it's, I honestly am trying to think of one and, and I can't even like, so the people who are notoriously known for being jerks sometimes, or I must've caught them all on great days. So who's your favorite celebrity out of all the ones you met? Um... Well, I'm a huge Alice in Chains fan, so I got to meet Jerry Cantrell, which was a dream come true for me. Um, there's other one. Alice Cooper was amazing too, just because the amount of time I got to I got to be there. Um, and then uh, Alex Lifeson from Rush was a pretty nice guy too. Really quiet, didn't talk a lot, but uh, pretty pretty a warm, open guy. Hmm. Awesome. And so how'd you go from radio to paid search? Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a good question. Um, in college, I got to do the fun experience where the radio station flipped formats, everyone got fired type of thing. And that was a quick realization that even though I love broadcasting, I love music, I don't want to move from city to city you know, <laughs> to just to try to find a radio job. And this is still time when, like, you know, the year when I got my first iPod, you know, so that was like a huge thing at the time. And you kind of saw that's where music was going. Um, so actually I just kind of took whatever job I could after college. And I worked for Kohl's department stores. Their corporate headquarters is just outside of Milwaukee. So I worked there five years in the buying offices. Um, so if you see those shelves of men's dockers pants in the casual section, um, I was the one helping, getting those ready and make sure your stores were stocked and that the product showed up online and that whole type of thing. And then eventually I got to switch over to the e-commerce department, which I actually enjoyed. 
um, even though it was a stiff corporate life that was totally not my personality and sense of dress. Um, <laughs> but but I got to do the sports team. So when a championship team won, we got to prep all the merchandise and flip on the switch so it's ready to go. And I get to see the you know the World Series and the NBA championship merchandise for both of the teams before the series ends. So that that, that was a lot of fun because it was very on pace and topical and I do love sports but it was my taste of e-commerce a little bit so I got to see a little bit of the Kohl's digital side and then just had other friends within the industry of I'm doing this AdWords thing I just took this AdWords exam I was like oh what is that and then the more I read about it the more I got really interested in it I was like why wasn't this around when I was in in college type of thing and I took a total career change six years after college Started at another agency in town, entry-level account management, slowly learned PPC, a little SEO. You know, I did SEO quote in, in quotes for a while. I mean, I was really good at it, but PPC was always my passion. So I just kind of took a weird route to get to the PPC area, and it all just kind of fell into place. That's, uh, you know, you're in some ways thankful that, radio collapsed while you were working there. <laughs> I know that's exactly at the time when you're like a senior in college and that's what you spent your first three years doing, you know, getting a degree in broadcasting and then you see it all fall apart. Uh, at the time it was crushing, but you never know that it's, it was a blessing in disguise. And then it's, you know, I think your broadcast career probably helps, right? I mean, you've become, or you are an expert in YouTube and YouTube is very kind of broadcasty. So maybe it's, uh, it's helped. Yes. Yes, and I, I, I'm excited for two reasons, because I took like script writing classes and commercial writing classes, so actually writing ad copy is one of my favorite things to do, um, but then also too with voice search coming out, and you have the Alexa and the Google Home, when that came out, my first thought immediate was like, radio commercials are coming back. I swear they are going to come back, and we're starting to see it, so I'm like, yes, this could be something where I can actually use my degree. <laughs> We try not to do that, I think, in you most cases. Uh, right, so voice search, right? Uh, I think Amazon now has started introducing ads within Alexa, uh, right? That's happening? Yeah. Yes. Um, so that's, you You predicted it correctly. Yeah, yeah, and the same thing, too. Like you said with, with YouTube, it's kind of trying to create you know, little TV commercials. I can write the script for why I'm not a video production guy at all, but... Uh, I like to play around with YouTube. It's been one of my favorite types of campaigns to play with um, and, and try to figure out just what the totally different way you approach it compared to search and trying to change that mentality when talking to clients or talking to other marketers who, are, who haven't even tried it yet. Well, and that's a good kind of segue into YouTube. So there's a billion formats, it feels like, for YouTube. There's TrueView and Product video ads, and I'm, I'm probably making up names because I can't keep up with what YouTube uh, like offers these days. What's like yeah. the quick rundown of like the ad formats, and then what do people actually use, or what should people focus on? Yeah, um, well, you can have the, the in-search segment. So when people are typing in search terms within YouTube, you have the opportunity to be at the top of that right-hand sidebar as one of the top recommended videos to watch next, depending on how you're talk, targeting your display keywords. Um, but then that can also show up too and potential for remarketing 
as a suggested type one if you're doing it like in the search results type faction. So that one can have a, a decent impact too because you can have a, a an ad with some text to it and you can have a decent preview image to try to capture that user's attention. Um, the in-display true view is, you know, I always say, like it's the, the YouTube commercials <laughs> for the people who don't have read. And um, so if you not paying for YouTube, uh, you can see those commercials ahead of time. And, you know, there's really no maximum time limit that you can use. I, I unfortunately see ads still on just my personal YouTube uh, diving around that, you know, I still see an ad that's going to be two, three minutes long. Um, but then as, you know, Google likes to see these, these shorter ads and we were introduced to these six second bumper ads, uh, which you cannot skip. Um, and it's the plus and minus. I'm not going to say there's any right way or wrong way, depending on your agency. It's, it's pretty much looking at what you want to do. Um, you know, the six second ads you cannot skip. So you know you're going to pay for it every time. But then on the plus side is that you know users are going to see that video almost every time if they are paying attention to it. Um, but I always like to look at, too, is if you're running a 30-second ad, you put your main message and your call to action right in the beginning of the video, and then the user still skips it after 5, 10 seconds, you don't pay for it. So, you know, it's one of those things where, what do you want? If someone skips it, fine, but then it's just free brand awareness. So it's kind of looking at, I like to say, what are the company goals and what do they want to try, And but I would always look at testing both and see what works with your target audiences. And the and the six second bumper ads are like a specific format or just if you upload a six second, it's qualified. Yeah, yeah, they are in display only. So you, you do have to show those you know, before a video or if there's those longer videos, you know, let's say if you know, Marvel posted one of their whole movies and they had those commercial breaks in between, uh, you can have those show up uh, right beforehand. And again, they are not skippable. Um, if you're running bumper ads as an ad um, or any six second video as an ad, it will not count towards your total video views because that, that's an easy way to just to jack up those video views and Google knows that. So that they're not running those as a total of your entire views. And in terms of like creating and managing them, so you know, in the old days, everything YouTube was separate from everything AdWords, and they started kind of mashing things together. So where are they at this point? Um, you know, still managing it is all within the AdWords interface. I mean, you can go into YouTube Analytics and see those results, but pretty much everything you need to know if it's working or not uh, can be researched and found within the AdWords interface. Um, there are specific YouTube columns that you can add to your views uh, in terms of earn metrics, how, how many free views, shares, playlist subscribers. You can look at all that to see if users are engaging with your videos and your video ads. Um, and then you can also get those stats of your view through rates, uh, how many people are watching your video, 25, 50, 75, 100%. And those are the engagements I look at. So you know, a lot of people, when they're looking at their AdWords, they're looking at the impressions and the clicks. And you can look, still look at clicks and click-through rates for your video campaigns, but that's if you have that video ad overlay. Um, so, you, you know, your, your click-through rates are going to be completely different for your video campaigns than what you're expecting 
for search and even display. So I always create a different view and I save those columns as a separate view just for my video campaigns to really focus on engagement first. And then I will look at some of the other metrics like clicks and even conversions and the impression assisted conversions and all that. And clearly video is top of funnel. Uh, you know, to your point, you um, kind of split out those campaigns, create custom views because you don't want to measure a, a video campaign the same way. Uh, yes. Kind of text that campaign. So what are, you know, when you think of top of funnel, like what are some of the things you think video helps advertisers accomplish or what are some of the goals that advertisers who run video are trying to achieve? One for, it could be a couple reasons. I think the most important part is awareness. And it, I, I consider this really close to display campaigns, but to me it's the format can be much more engaging. You can actually sell yourself in my opinion, a lot easier when you're showing video. If you have a real technical product that, you know, what what's a display ad, I don't, even if it's a, a GIF display ad, you know, how can it easily show a big technical product? Um, or if it has new features that it's easier for a user to see, then just look at a picture and hopefully they click on your link. Um, so I, I definitely want to emphasize, you know, how great it can be for just that awareness because people aren't going to search for something that they don't know exists um, or they're not going to search for something if they don't have a need or a want to know more about that product or your brand. So you have to invest in getting that awareness out there and having a good video that's engaging that, you know, speaks to that audience. If the user can see themselves you know, using that product, like within that video, if you're using actors or models, whatever, interacting with that product, it's going to bring that message across a lot better. Um, I know we've used it too for video remarketing. I know it's just to keep that person engaged, you know, over the majority of YouTube views are viewed on mobile phones. So if you know, someone initially interacted with your brand or your website, your landing pages, whatever, and then they're out and about, you know, standing in line, you know, at a fast food restaurant, you know, we, people don't talk to each other anymore. We're always on our phones. Um, it's just having that engagement with the user just to plant that seed that, hey, I'm still here, to potentially bring them back from a remarketing perspective. And then there's a lot of cool next step remarketing or just video showing features that you could do in general with customer match and how you can include that with YouTube. It's a great way to one, stick in front of your current customers to just build that brand love, you know, make those people part of your brand and then have those of your customers are the ones that are going to share the videos more often. That'll get you those earned metrics if you are paying for those video views just to keep them involved. And it's also a great way with customer match is to test out something new on the users who already love your brand. So if you're a little leery about spending a lot of money on YouTube, try it with your current customers first. Because yes. then you'll have a bet you'll have a good understanding of you know what your target audience likes and will they like this new product? Will they like this new ad format? And that might give you an idea of what they like and then you could shoot it out in your emails or put it on social media. Uh, but it, it's it's a great testing tool too. So for someone who is probably not running any video, I mean, step one is you need a video. So you need the content, which is always one of the big hurdles for video, right? Uh, yes. And well, so we'll talk about content in a second. So you need a video <clears throat> and then a good easy way to start is use customer match and just go after your existing audience and see if they respond to it, see if the video and the content you have is, is quality. And then you could also probably 
start to look into like, you know, the demographics of the folks who are watching your video. And that might help you if you are going to try to expand and do some like demographic targeting and a more traditional targeting, you probably have a better sense of what are the people responding to your current content. Cause you probably don't, you know, I think in video tailoring your content to the user is even more important than in text. Yeah. Yeah. And when we get, you know, the basic demographic targeting that already exists uh, w- within YouTube. And so th- that's helpful too. But if you have an you know, email list that you could segment by gender, you know, if, if you're targeting females, put a female in your video, you know, using the product, you know, flip that with male. If you can, if you want to segment and you know your bread and butter audience is males age 45 plus, put a male 45 plus in your video, you know, try to connect with that user. Um, and then they could see that right away because that's what's going to have that emotional and psychological connection of someone seeing themselves using that product. You know, what what problems do you solve for that age and age range and that demographic? Um, and that's where you're going to see the better engagement results and sometimes just a better overall interaction and view through rate with your ads. And what are people doing these days to get these assets created? Um, there's a few. Again, I... I'm in the same boat with a lot of people where I don't have clients that have that Coca-Cola budget. You know, they, they, they can't spend tens of thousands of dollars or even just a couple thousand dollars on ads. So um, there's a, a few different options. Is One, you, you just you do invest in it, but I would say if you are going to make that investment, find someone who will work with you to create multiple copies of an ad, even if you're just doing one generic branding, one that doesn't speak to any certain demographic or audience. If you're just doing one generic ad, see if you can get it edited a few different ways, just so you can test out what works. And maybe you can get multiple videos for the price of just shooting one. Um, But if you work with a lot of really small businesses, local businesses, uh, there is a YouTube director app that you could download. Um, It's really just called the YouTube director app where you could shoot videos from your phone. And Google has templates based on what type of video do you want, if you want to showcase product, if you want to do a customer testimonial video, um, or you can create a template based on certain industries, you know, automotive, food, restaurants, that whole type of thing. And then Google or YouTube will guide you step by step. Shoot this next you know show show an exterior shot and you could shoot that and then show an interview with the manager the president shoot that and then they'll tell you what to edit together you can select your background music so it's a it's a free way uh, yes yes it's free for even just to get a simple video on your phone and the quality is just going to be you know as best as you can get with whatever type of phone you have and you know what type of camera you have on your phone. Uh, we did one for granular ourselves just to test it. Um, we actually have it on our YouTube channel and we've gotten engagements from it and actually some decent interaction in leads that we've used it for remarketing. Um, if you watch it, we, we still leave it running because it's, it's been working again, you know, for free, but we also leave it running so we could show our clients, you know, we did this in an hour. You know, not really trying. And from an hour, it's literally from us downloading it to uploading it to YouTube. Um, and, you know, for what you get for free, uh, I think it's a pretty sweet tool. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. Although you are cheating because you have a trained radio personality. It's a, <laughs> I did. I had zero involvement 
in the video. You see the back of my head in one scene, and that's all I did. It was all done by uh, our biz dev guy and a president. Wow. All right. Well, that's a good uh, testimonial for it. So the the cheapest way to get a video is just go do it yourself with the YouTube uh, director app. And then I remember, I don't know, like six or seven years ago, I was doing some stuff with video, uh, trying to figure out a way to provide videos to small businesses at scale. And there was a few kind of startups making these drag and drop editors and um, like these um, like video videographer communities where it's almost like 99 designs where you can just put out like, Hey, I need a video. And then like three different local folks would bid on your bid on your video. Have you heard about any of that stuff? I haven't paid attention in like six years, but are any of those things options anymore? Uh, something specific like that. I haven't heard of. Um, I know there's a lot of like those whiteboard cartoon type videos were a fad for a while too. And now you can get those for like, a couple hundred bucks online, so it's it, more for like you know the, the demo or explaining your process type of you know looks like they're animated on a whiteboard type video. I would definitely have seen those. Um, I haven't used any of those like that. Uh, we're lucky that you know, for a while our, our next door neighbor at Granular was a video production company, and there's actually a, another one in our building as well. So we've got partnerships that that we've worked with, um, but you know for the most part we. We have been lucky enough to use some professional footage, but for a lot of the smaller ones, we just say, you know, kind of do what you can. You know, maybe strike deals with people. It's it's kind of playing that game. I don't have an, an answer that would say, like, this is the one way to do it if you can't afford the video. It's kind of have to play around and see what you can find and maybe who you can partner with. That's fair. And this is kind of a wacky question, but what about VR, AR, and video? Do you see some demand starting to pick up for videos that are like immersive video or 3D video? Yes. Yeah. Uh, none of my clients would be a fit for it, but you see that out there of how people are using that to interact. I mean, if if people are making VR videos for to show you know, spreadsheet data and all that stuff from a VR thing. You know, video is going to be an amazing factor. I mean, we've already seen what it could do from an ad perspective. You know, if someone wants to buy a couch or a fridge, that they're going to be able to see it, you know, in their living room, and then they can purchase it from the VR thing. I could easily see video going that route too. You can see this product that you're looking at, you know, technically in your home and kind of see how it could look like. Um, there's already animated video stuff that I've seen. I actually just watched one yesterday of there's these random uh, pieces of art, cartoon art on a wall. So when kids put on the VR thing, like the art within their bedroom comes alive and all these different pictures are interacting with it. And it's like animating on your wall, like your room is coming to life. So, I mean, there already is video VR out there. Um, how YouTube and specifically YouTube ads will play into it. Um, I don't know, but I, I could totally see it coming. And I've seen, you know, Facebook, you can post like a 360 photo, like a photosphere photo. And then, you know, if you have Oculus or if you just use your phone and like move it around, you could have that like VR-ish experience. So I, it's not very far leap for them to turn some of their ad units into kind of VR ad units. Yeah, yeah, completely, especially from that 360 viewpoint. Cool. So if you are, uh, if you're trying to figure out who's going to run YouTube at your 
if you're an in-house marketer? Like, do you think it fits on the display team or the search team, or who do you think kind of should own video? Um, I I do look at more from a display perspective, uh, especially because I look at it as building awareness, and it is, you know, for the most part, I it, it's a longer type of campaign. You know, you, you constantly have to be looking at testing different audiences, and the same audience that you create can work really well for one video, and then you could see that that audience is not working for, you know, the, the next video that you create. So it's, it's. I think you do have to keep an eye on it a little bit more, uh, just to make sure that engagement level stays to where you want it to be, and that you're monitoring it that it's not going stale, um, especially once you start to get. You know, remarketing in the mix as well. To me, that's you know the total type of thing that you can do with display, and a lot of audiences that you can create. Um, I love using custom affinity audiences and direct website placements for YouTube videos because I've seen those two have worked the best for me in terms of engagement and even conversions. So those would be the ones I would look at, and definitely with someone who has strong display experience. Um, but you know, I think someone who has search you know, experience as well, depending on how you're targeting your videos, could have success too. And you reminded me of a, a concept you, you wrote about on one of your blogs, which was kind of placement targeting. So it's, well, A, display folks, that's like their bread and butter, especially if they've been in display for a while. Doing placements was like the only way you used to buy before programmatic took over. But um, so there's a lot of good strategies in placement in like buying placements uh, from display you could probably reuse. And one of them is buying video uh, on your competitors or competition's website, actually target them for placements. Can you talk about that? Yeah, yeah it's a, from a competitor's perspective, yeah. when I'm looking at placements, the first thing I look is, is, is my competitor allowing YouTube ads on any of their videos or any of their channels? And that, that's definitely the one I, I will look at first, um, specifically if they're using copyrighted content. So if you have copyrighted content in your video, let's say you're using, I don't know, a, a Beatles song you know, in your video, and Google can catch that, and they'll flag it that you have copyrighted content on your video, um, you cannot turn off ads being shown if you're not complying with all of Google's rules of hosting videos on YouTube. So I found that out for one time. Uh, I saw a client was using a video with copyrighted content on it. So that's when we created a video campaign. We purposely targeted that specific video, uh, turned up the budget like crazy, um, and then we were running a YouTube shopping campaign on that video. So we were not only showing our video in a true view in display, but then we were also selling products on our competitors' YouTube video while the video was going on. So all those product cards were showing up uh, on the channel. So that, that was a fun one. Uh, and then the competitor saw it probably within a week or so, and they, they pulled the video because there was nothing else they could do if they didn't want us taking over. So that was one I, I laugh at. and that's I, I always go back to that one. I w wish I could find another one again. But you could still put placements on competitor videos, even if they don't have copyrighted content. They just might not be paying attention to, you know, what ads are being shown on their on their channel or specific videos. Um, it's another common yeah, just yeah. on the copyright uh, issue. So basically, copyrighted material is usually just music. So if they're using any song you've heard of, it's probably copyrighted, and they probably don't have permission. Um, yeah. 
So same thing what, with like live concert videos, you know, all those too. It's all technically copyrighted. So a lot so of times advertisers Google can't make money. Yeah, like so Google lets you break the rules if they can run ads. They just are like, fine, we'll turn to blind eye as long as you're running ads. Yeah, I, I, I did that too. And I, that's how I found out was just my personal one. I went to a local concert and then I was one. I, I used to be one of those guys who used to like, you know, record probably a minute or two on my phone and then just put it up to YouTube and try to optimize it and see if someone's searching for that band live concert and try to get something in. When I signed up for AdSense, I could upload the videos. And then one day I looked in there and it was all like crossed out. Like you cannot make money on any of these videos by having ads shown on them because it's, it has copyrighted content. Um, so then I had a client too that has is a was a concert venue hall and they had permission from the artist to show, you know, clips of the concerts at that venue. But then since it was all copyrighted content to the artist, technically the music venue didn't own that. Um, they could not turn off ads being shown on that video. So they were getting, you know, weird remarketing ads showing on it and they just wanted clean, no ad videos. But since it was all copyrighted content, they couldn't turn it off. It's just why? <laughs> why? Yeah. <laughs> It's like uh, I don't have an answer why, but it's yeah. it's weird that they conflate the ability to show ads and showing copyrighted material. Like yeah. as long as Google's making money on the copyright infringement, it's fine. Yeah, and then they have that link right on the bottom of the video of you're hearing this song within the video. Go buy it on iTunes or something or Google Play, and they they'll have that link underneath the videos. Right, and it's not like if you're a local artist, you know. Well, maybe you are, but I doubt you're getting paid. I doubt Google's like, hey, you're playing this local concert. Uh, you can't yeah. show it because it's copyrighted material. you know. And then if you put Google ads, are they finding that artist and be like, here's the money we owe you for your copyrighted material? Yeah, if they're using you know, some Shazam-type product to figure out what song that is, so then they know. Hmm. Interesting. I'm maybe speculating. That, yeah, maybe that is what's happening. Um Interesting. This is like the the deep dark YouTube secrets. So that's you know going back to just in general um, targeting some of your competitors, throwing a video up there, and then getting some uh, kind of traffic from them until they notice, and then probably take it down. That's a great little trick. Yeah, even just keyword targeting your competitors and see if that that does anything. Yeah, that that's pretty much a good general rule, right? In paid search, is you know. Uh, target your competitors because if they're looking at competitors, they're probably considering a purchase. So why not make yourself a choice? Yeah. Um, any other, any other diamonds in the rough like that, that, uh, you have for YouTube? I love, uh, display placements on actual websites. Cause I hear people a lot saying that they didn't know YouTube ads could exist outside of youtube.com. So you can target, you know, if the website, has video ad space on it, you could show your video ad off of YouTube on actual websites. So this is where I'm extremely picky. Um, and you're not going to get a ton of impressions necessarily if you're as picky as I am. I will look at websites in the display planner and I will look at the entire website. So I typically don't do like the Forbes or the New York Times. You know, if it has something related to you know, what my video or what the industry of the client is. I look at, you know, if I have a fitness client, I make sure that the entire website is about fitness. So, you know, it's, I don't want it to be a random page on this bigger website. So I'm very picky on where I show my video ads for my clients in terms of just direct placements. But 
I've seen by far the largest engagement rate and the largest view-through rate out of any targeting format by doing exact website placements off of YouTube. Um, just because you're hitting that audience in exactly the same type of websites that they like to visit, you know, you're hitting that audience on a hyper-targeted website. Um, but again, I, I don't get the most views just in terms of the amount of times a, a video is shown and you will see in the display planner that not a lot of these websites have ad space for videos. So you might look in YouTube and it says you can you can show ads on here, but YouTube will show you every single website in the display planner, but not necessarily every site that has video ad space. So you have to be careful. Uh, so you can you can add a ton of websites and then how come I'm not getting any impressions? And then when you actually go in display planner and look, it's that they don't offer video ad space. Got ya. So um you know, I wonder, so you you brought up a point which is if you buy general sites like, you know, New York Times or Forbes or something like that, uh, you you never really know where your your ad's going to show, your video's going to show. Yeah, yeah, uh, and, and that's, where, that's where layering then would be important. So you might want to layer then, you know, in-content keywords on top of that. So maybe you're getting a better, you know, placement of where your ads are being shown. Uh, but if you have a generic product, like, you know, if you are the uh, the Coca-Cola, the McDonald's, where, you know, you just need to hit a certain audience and it doesn't matter what page they're on, you know, those bigger sites would can be pretty beneficial. Well, and it's, uh, it's come to kind of media attention because of the whole kind of Breitbart ad serving issue that was really kind of yeah. popular, I don't know, maybe about a month ago. So that's, I mean, this is that scenario, right? If you just target Forbes and you're, you know, selling exercise equipment, and then somebody's reading an article about ISIS, you know, your video could be showing next to an ISIS article about something terrible. Uh, yeah. Something along those lines. Yeah, and then yeah, because of that, uh, exactly what you said, big brands were pulling uh, their content off YouTube, their, their ads, so they weren't advertising. L'Oreal, Verizon, there were a few other really big brands that were spending huge chunks of change on YouTube ads. So when they started pulling it, you know, AdWords does not want to lose money, so they, they went to a scramble, and they've come up with some new uh, beta tests for content category exclusions, so you can find that within your advanced settings of your YouTube campaigns. So you can you know, exclude the certain demographics or mature audiences, but they're beta testing one for extremist content, you know, very sexually provocative content. Um, so you can hopefully, it's, again, it's beta testing, so it's still probably not 100%, perfect but yeah if you, if you have a very family friendly oriented business and you don't want to show up next to that I definitely look into that content exclusion because one it's just going to save you a ton of money anyways I thought there was a number two yes that's true it will, <laughs> it will save you money because you're probably not converting off ISIS recruiting videos and then it saves you from some pretty negative brand associated yeah uh, yeah and even even if someone's just reading the news about it, you know they're still probably not in the mood then to buy your product or download your white paper or whatever. <laughs> yeah, right. And you, I mean, you start getting all the psychology of it too. Like you know, you don't you know brand association. You don't want to be associated with negative news. You probably want to be associated with positive news. So um, I know for you know for placements, it's a little bit easier because even if you're on the New York Times next to an ISIS article, it's probably still going to be. Uh, you know, a the article is not going to be like horrifying. It's going to be about 
you know, factual and it's going to be news versus like on YouTube, God knows what you're going to be on because, you know, user generated content is like all over the place. So yeah, it's more, I think, detrimental if you end up running on some videos kind of on YouTube than in kind of traditional display placements or video units on news sites and stuff like that. Yeah. And it all comes down to testing, you know, seeing what works with those in the larger pools of audiences on those bigger websites work for you, you know, that's incredible. So I'm not saying rule them out completely. It's just, you know, you might want to start with a much controlled video targeting first, um, like I did with some of the direct placements. And then if you're not getting the impression share that you want, then slowly increase, you know, the amount of weekly visitors from some of these websites where you can get that data as well. That is some good advice. It's, um, I was just reading, so uh, somebody that runs a LinkedIn agency that we talk to often about LinkedIn stuff um, also talks quite a bit about like that strategy of start really targeted and then work your way backwards so that you get yes. more broad, you know, as you need more traffic and you can trade off, in theory, trade off quality, uh, you know, because you're in theory super targeted and only getting the best leads, but you're not getting enough of them. So you keep expanding and expanding and expanding. Yeah, I use it at the same time. It's almost like your your real specific placements are your exact match, you know, and then you you try to work, you know, to get to that pure broad match. Uh, but this is from the video perspective, and I you know it's the amount of people that are on YouTube every single day. It is extremely easy to spend money on YouTube and waste money. You could you know turn around, come back the next day, and you've already surpassed your monthly budget. So if yeah, if you're starting out pretty broad, you could you can waste a lot of money. And I'll admit, many years ago when this first started, I learned that the hard way. How much money did you waste? Eh, a couple thousand. You know, but this is it was a it was a smaller smaller client for sure. So that was a, a lot of making up to do. And definitely learned that in, in my prime as a as a young digital marketer. <laughs> I think we've all had those stories. It's a- <laughs> well, I think Joe, that was a lot on YouTube that uh, people should probably know. So I appreciate you coming on and talking YouTube. No, thank you for having me. There's a lot more we could cover, maybe next time. And then if people do want to know more about you or YouTube, what's the best way to find you? Uh, I'm Twitter. I am fairly active on Twitter at Milwaukee PPC. Um, I do frequent uh, PBC chat, hashtag PBC chat, uh, every Tuesday at 11. Um, and that's probably the best way. And I'm also on LinkedIn too at Joe Martinez PPC at, at the end of the of the URL right there. So if anyone can feel free to connect. I'd be more than happy to. And PPC chat is 9 a.m. Pacific time, I believe. Yes. Yes, that's right. I'm, I'm Midwest at 11 a.m. You're talking Milwaukee time. Yes. <laughs> Great. Well, we'll see you on, on Twitter and we'll probably see you on the conference trail as well, speaking uh, pretty soon somewhere, I'm sure. Yes, I hope so. I'll keep pitching. (laughs) All right, man. Take care. (laughs) All right. Thank you, guys.